The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Uh, <laughs> hey, at the top of my sermon, let me say this. If you're at home and you're watching this virtually, thank you. Uh, we are having Communion Sunday, and so please grab your elements, your juice, uh, your wine, your bread, um, your bread, free bread of whatever uh, elements you use in order to uh, worship God in the, in the sacraments. As we continue in our uh, Advent series, many of you may have heard Richard and myself do a little podcast on why we do Advent the way we do Advent at Downtown Church. Um, if you did not listen to that podcast, take a couple minutes, listen to it. It's only 19 minutes. And we explain the different traditions when it comes to Advent. So we have a series that we are uh, preaching about uh, the, the uh, first advent and simultaneously preaching about the hope of the second advent. And in doing so, what happens is every week we've been, we're going through this prologue in John talking about the coming light. We think it's fitting because today could be a bit gloomy. 2020 is a bit dim for us all. And so much of what we are to recognize is that we, uh, we have hope. And that hope is not that just things will end, but that he will come again. And so Richard last week did a fantastic job introducing us into uh, John, Gospels John, the Gospel of John, by talking about the answer for many of us for our lives have been disrupted. You see, uh, last week as he... Um, had so eloquently spoke about the short, shorts that he, he, uh, he wore. He also mentioned, uh, some of y'all still thinking about those shorts that Rachel is fantasizing about. I don't know. But as a staff, we gave Richard a hard time about that. But, um, but what he said was, the answer is in the word. The word being not just God, but with God. Uh, and not just in the beginning, but with God. And he is God. And that logos, the word, being that very much is what actually helps convert people, give us hope, but most importantly reminds us how intimate God is. Richard made that point last week, and I hope we hold on to that. Because this morning, what I want us to understand is that this light, the light of the world, as we look at the next two verses, verses 4 and 5 of chapter 1 in John, he actually, the word comes, but life comes with it as well, and it's tied to its light. Before we um, dive into God's word, let me read my first two chapters, and then, I mean verses, and then pray. Bible says in John chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, in him was life, and the light was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Pray with me. God, we thank you that you are our God and we are your people. We thank you for your word and how it continuously feeds us the hope, the joy, and the refuge that we need. I pray now, Lord, that you comfort those through your word. Use me. Hide me beneath your cross. Pierce the heart of the sinner. Help the person that is on the fence trying to understand who you are 
Help them, Lord God, to hear you and understand you and working through and asking questions in a deeper way about how they can get to know you. For we love you and we thank you. Be with us now. For it is in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. All God's people say together. Question is, is it possible? Is it possible to walk in a completely dark room? Is it possible to walk in such profound darkness that you have clarity? One, many of us understand what it meant to wake up in the middle of the night and the room be so dark you find yourself fumbling throughout the room, tripping over things in this dark room, feeling so uncertain that you uh, don't know what's ahead and you are, hit, you are afraid that you would hit your head on the unrecognizable object, trying to find the light or the switch to turn on the light. All of us, all of us understand and can sympathize with the fact that walking in darkness is not fun. We feel fearful and lost. And if we then know that we can relate year 2020 to a dark room and feeling, this, feeling it as if this dimness is hard to navigate and it is a gut punch from the current circumstances, what happens is we begin to reflect on all of the plans we made at the beginning of 2020. Some of those plans have been delayed at the top of 2020. Some of our ambitions begin to dissipate. College students had to take a semester off. Parents concerned about their children's education and futures seem unpredictable. All of this, even for some of us in our weight loss plan, didn't meet that goal. Quarantine 17,000 pounds later made the 2020 goals of losing weight look a little different. <laughs> and when you think about this, here's what the question is. How can you create a five to ten year plan in the midst of a pandemic pause? How can an entrepreneur or a CEO or that artist begin to innovate and be creative and optimistic about next steps? All of which, if we were to be honest, if we could just start 2021 with a fresh start and escape this reality, we would feel a whole lot better. But the idea for Christians is not that we escape. Escapist mentality means that we have just skipped over Advent just so we can get to our comfortability. December gives us a time to pause. Many of us thought about going to Black Friday, but then we had second thoughts. Many of us had our Amazon carts loaded up because all of this hope and joy was surrounded in celebrating how we will receive many gifts. But I believe providentially, maybe God is helping us to see that Cyber Monday and Black Friday is not the ultimate gift. That we can't just live our normal lives and thus we have to recognize who is the gift. Our hope 
is not found on nothing less but Jesus Christ. You know how the hymn writer says this because what we cannot miss is the light of the world is God's purpose and plan even amidst chaos. His plan wasn't thwarted. He didn't think about this and feel as if that he, God himself, would feel so insecure about his sovereignty that he could not move on. He could not help his people navigate. God has given us Zoom in order for us to continue to worship. God has given us so many different things in order for us to continue to look to him. But sometimes we can be so overwhelmed with our own inconvenience that we don't see how God has blessed us. So what happens a lot of times is instead of worshiping in this season, we think about what we don't have. Things are not the same. I can't be at, we used to call my, my granny, my great granny house, we call her granny girl. Like I had, remember, I have a lot of women and they were divas, okay? And so we go to granny girl house. We can't go to granny girl's house and eat sweet potato pie. I know some people eating different kind of pies. That's okay. We can't have the collard greens. We can't be around each other like we'd like to. We got to be masked up. We can't see each other smile. We don't even know what the the, the facial expressions. All we see is eyebrows moving. Advent helps us in this season to to, to wrestle with what God is revealing in our lives, if I were to say it this way, that God's light is revealing so that we might be a reflection of the glorious hope that will come again. But here's how I want to package it, just so you can remember that this light, God's light, the incarnation is our revelation in a dark day so that we must be a reflection of his hope. It's actually revealing. And here's two ways that I want us to look at this. That the, this idea of abundant life, it comes in recognizing that Jesus is our God. We have to recognize that Jesus is the guide to an abundant life. And that Jesus empowers us to see beyond our fears. Can you see what he sees? I asked you that at the, at the, at the end of the Advent video. Do you see the light? Because it's clear as day, beloved. I'm not fearful. We shouldn't be fearful. We have nothing to fright, to to fret, but what we have is a God to worship, knowing that if we make it through 2020, God is with us in 2021. He's with us in 2022. He's with us in 2023. God is with us because he is eternal life. Let me give you a little context in terms of how a Greco-Roman world would perceive this particular prologue. If you were reading this, scholars would say that light, this concept of light, was centered around the notion of sight, only what one can see, which was substantiated from, which was, I'm sorry, substantially different from the ancient Near East perspective. And their idea of light was fundamentally fundamentally connected to life because they considered the sun's role in cultivating the biological life. And darkness was perceived to be a threat to that life. So it's possible, as an original reader, in in their thinking, 
would actually recognize this light as how one would see and what one would see. For instance, Jesus gives you a good example in Matthew 6, 22, where he refers to this body being the eye being the lamp or the eye as the lamp of the body, which reflects directly to our readers. Understanding that then we see that for this light, for them was not just an act, but was it was the coming knowledge, equipping one's mind and having and, and knowing what is to be and knowing how to become known. This was this idea of light. I'm going to say that again. For them was the act of coming to know and what becomes known, all of which was searched outside of the incarnate Christ. I want you to just follow me this morning. I'm going to take my time just a bit. All of this was found outside of the incarnate Christ. And thus this prologue of John and John's gospel challenges the ancient worldview and even our current worldview of how we understand Jesus. For instance, we are so adamant about finding experts on absolutely everything. We want to have experts equipping us with the knowledge that we, that we need to know. We want to feel adequate about making decisions. We want to feel in control. But isn't it funny that we cannot feel in control of what's going on now? All of the brilliant minds in the world are confounded by what we are going through right now. But I know many of us have saying, are saying then, how do we live this abundant life? It's a good question. That's our first point. We got to realize that Jesus is the God. If we don't act as if Jesus is the one that is guiding us, what happens is we fall into the deceptions of despair. John 10, 10 says this. He says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I came to give life and have it more abundantly. Do you hear the duality? This duality in the passage helps us to see throughout the biblical narrative, consistently we encounter the contrast of light and darkness, light, uh, light and darkness, life and death, good and evil. As acknowledged, one has to hear the echoes of Genesis chapter 1 right here in our passage. And we have to notice that the Word of God creates life and light, while God's preeminence over darkness holds it in its bounds. Oftentimes, we immediately go to the fact that salvation is applied to life. But what John wants us to hear is that not only is salvation applied to life, but the creation is given by a creator. So many philosophers, so many people are trying to think about what is life outside of this universe? Is there a God that's created us? What is going on? But the fact of the matter is, how can human beings understand something outside of themselves if they've never experienced it? How can we understand the galaxies, the Milky Way? How can we understand outer space if we are not the creators of it? nor do we know the creator. How can we understand all of the intricate details about our earth and what is what's before us, the, 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 the depths of the ocean, the darkness at sea? How can we understand these things if we are not the creator? Many are confounded by the fact and even overwhelmed 
that they're not in control. I think that that's the heart of the, the, heart of the issue. The abundance of life does not come by how much one acquires. The clarity of our passage says that when you are overwhelmed, you have to look at this passage and recognize that in Genesis 1, just like he brought form to a voidless, a voidless world, he will, be, he will bring form to a voidless and an overwhelming pandemic. So then, when we worship at Advent, our primary focus is not simply God. Help this go away. Our primary focus in worship is not to escape. Our primary focus in worship is God, help me to see you more. God, give me clarity on how I need to move. God, give me understanding of the abundance that you've given me in life. Help me to see how the incarnation and when you come and wrap yourself in flesh, what it means for me to live a life that will glorify you. In the incarnated Christ, we find this abundant life because in John 14, 26, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then in John 11, 25, he says, I am, say, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though I die, yet shall he live. Why? Here is why it is important to file these scriptures in one's memory because many of us do not understand how the end of life will happen for us. I tell you, I think about the end of my life all the time. I know that I cannot control it. At one point in time in my younger days, I still think I'm a young man. In my younger days, though, I really thought I was invincible. I really thought that there was nothing that can affect me. That I could matrix every bullet that may have come my way. That I could simply jump over every car that, that I tried to dodge in traffic. That I was some sort of Superman. That was my mentality. That level of invincibility was only due to my immaturity. There was no wisdom in that. There's wisdom in understanding that your life is temporary here, but there's an eternal in him. There is wisdom in understanding your life is temporary, but eternal in him. The reason that wisdom is, is important is because many of us cannot run or escape the hardships, nor can we try to self-medicate all of the trauma in our lives. We simply have to endure the inevitable. But how do we endure it? Is it by ourselves? Who do we endure it with? Is it only with that significant other? Or is it with Christ, our Savior, and he alone? Pew Research had did, some, had did an article a couple years ago stating that many people, when you think about heaven and hell, 72% of Americans believe in heaven. They said that it, it was this place that they wanted to, that, that here's the place they described that they wanted to go. It was natural for people to want things to turn out well, is what they said, both life and apparently afterwards. So roughly 72% of Americans say they believe in heaven and they define it as a place where people who have led good lives are eternally rewarded. Isn't that funny? People who've led good lives are eternally rewarded. 
72% of Americans believe in that heaven. But 58% of Americans, U.S. adults, also believe in hell, a place where people who have led bad lives die and die without being sorry are eternally punished. Nothing about God. Nothing about the light. And if I would say, if our lives, and that's our view of end of life, and that's our understanding of end of life, then we are sadly mistaken because if you're in hell, you're separated from God. If you're separated from God, you're in hell. But if you are with God, you have eternal life. And you have that eternal life abundantly. You have life richly. I think, I don't know how well I can say this, but you don't have life richly just because you don't have holes in your shoes. You don't have life abundantly just because every meal is, is provided for. You don't have life just because your bank account is swole. You don't have life merely because of your intellectual ability. You don't have life just because of how tough or invincible you, you are. You don't have life just because how cute you may be. You don't have life just because of the things that you possess. The abundance of life comes in knowing the one that can give it abundantly. Do you see what I see? Do you see what John is saying? That an abundant life is in the incarnated Jesus Christ. Therefore, he is the guide of our life. And he guides us towards truth. And in guiding us towards truth, it is difficult not to know everything. If I walk into unfamiliar territory, trust me, I want to know absolutely everything. I don't want to walk into unfamiliar territory and be surprised. That's why I don't go to hunted houses. That's why I don't do anything that's going to surprise me. One time I was running at Pickwick. I had never been to Pickwick, but we would go as elders uh, in, as, as office, in the officer's retreat. And I was running. Four miles, not three, and I wasn't necessarily a runner at the time. I didn't enjoy it with a good brother, Howard Graham. And I didn't know where I was going. Felt very unaware. And see, typically, you know, I, I can tell you how you know where I'm, I, I'm feeling uncomfortable because I'll be a little funny sometimes, right? I'll be like, hey, hey, you know, where are we going? <laughs> where, where is this leading us to, right? Running up hills, I'm tired, I'm gassed, okay? I'm gassed. He's a little bit older than me, uh, but yet I, 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 I was still living in my glory days. And I'm running up these hills. And then next thing you know, Dan Burns, I think he was running with us too. And next thing you know, we start going on a dirt road. That's when I, I went from being funny to like, where are we really going? These situations don't end well all the time. I don't know what's out here and I'm very unaware. Therefore, I want to go back to where all of the accommodations are. I don't want to be on a dirt road running. That's not fun. I'll die. But the idea here is that I am arrested by the fact and reminded that I can't control what I don't know. And I can't, I don't know what's ahead. Therefore, I feel anxious. I feel overwhelmed. I feel, I feel like I don't have power, powerlessness. Therefore, I want to escape. But here it is, if you treat life like that, 
what happens is you don't realize that you're running away from the Lord instead of running to the Lord. And when you run to Jesus, let me guarantee you something. When you run to the Lord, you will find yourself safe and secure, but it's not as if the debris of life won't hit you and a couple wounds and scars won't come. But the Advent helps us to see that it was not Jesus's life that was purely free from affliction, but the abundance of life came through the trial of fire. Therefore, John 8 12 says, I am the light. Jesus says, I am the light. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's not that darkness is not around the individual, but it is you being the light of humanity, walking in darkness and lighting things up around you. I think our imagery is that we don't walk in darkness. But the psalmist reminds us, though that I walk through the shadow of death, who is with me? What follows me? Mercy and goodness. Oh, Emmanuel, there is that day spring. Come, Emmanuel, the one that will make the gloominess disperse. That is the abundance of life. Now, when we, when we have that in mind, that then, okay, Jesus is my God through darkness. Jesus is my God through trial. Jesus is my God through hardship. Jesus is the one that fills me with the light so that I can see clearly as I endure life. Then, how does Jesus empower us to see beyond our fears? How can we see beyond our fears? We have to walk in the light. He is the guide but then we have to walk in it. Being very specific here, because when you think about Jesus being the God, one thing is you can say, I'm going to follow you, or I'm going to go my own way, or I'm going to follow, fall all the way behind just to see what, what, what Jesus, I'm going to delay it just so I know for sure. But when you walk in the light, there's a faith component. You don't always know what's ahead. Anybody ever think about saying, sweet brother Noomsi, anybody ever seen Golden Child? And he was jumping on those things. Everything wasn't clear in the abyss. And he had this little bitty old light. The imagery here is for us to feel empowered to walk in the light, though. Have the faith to do so. Because then we begin to reflect it. My son I didn't know until um, one day he just started crying. He was afraid of movie theaters. And we walked into the movie theater, and all I hear is a kid crying. And then, and, uh, unbeknownst to me, it's him. And one of the things is he doesn't want to see real movies. He's okay with animations. And so as we're walking into the movie, he's crying, and then I have to kind of do the dad thing where I'm like, you know, okay, son, let's get it together. We're going to be okay. 
Daddy is not going to let nothing happen to you. Trust me, right? And I'm talking to, you know, when your kid is crying and that you're trying to talk to them through. You know, teachers, y'all can relate. When, you, when the kids are you're trying to talk to them as they're crying. And, you, and like, you're, like, you're trying to hope that their facial expression will change and that like they would have some hope. But it's just like, no, there's a level of timidity and they don't believe anything that you're saying. And that all that like there's a, there's a the people are going to hop out of the, t- the big TV and snatch you up and eat you. Like, that's all I'm imagining that's in his world. Right. And so it's, it's always difficult because I don't have his vantage point in order to know how he how he's viewing these things. But what I'm trusting and hoping is that my words will be things that would empower him to know that when daddy says, I'm not going to let anything happen to you, that he can trust me that nothing's going to happen to him. That I'm going to give my life before he has to give his. If we, let me give you another analogy. In driving, one of the things I hate about driving on the road is when my, I haven't checked my windshield wipers. And then it's that one windshield wiper that's flimsy. And the, and the, and the white, thing, the, 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 the rubber start coming off. And you driving. And, and it's dark. And you going. And you, and you just mad because you can't see it. Then when it, when it start pouring down super hard, and you just want to keep getting to your destination because you know you're getting tired. And then, you know, you got to pull over for a few minutes because you can't see. It, it's, here's the thing. That the rain doesn't go away. I still have my light to help me. It's only if I'm capable of being able to continuously drive and trust through it. What I'm trying to get us to see is that God helps us. He's not just a raggedy windshield wiper. He's not the windshield wiper. He's the one that knows the path and that we can walk literally on him, in him, through him as light in order to get to our destination. That's the idea that many of us struggle with. Because when I did, I looked at, pre, uh, uh, I looked at some research, they said on Christianity Today that last year in 2019, the famous verse was, Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything instead, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known by God. This year, you know what the most searched, researched, um, bookmarked Bible verse is? Take a wild guess. What have we been going through? Isaiah 41.10. Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen and I will help you. I will uphold, my, uh, uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's the most searched, bookmarked, and reached Bible verse for 2020. When we look at verse 5, we should feel some level of confidence. We don't have to be individuals that just need a verse to kind of get us through going. We need the Bible. And the reason I say that is because 
Verse 5 encourages us not to see this light as one that's weak, but it is dominant over darkness. Because the verb here is it shines. A present active indicative verb that allows individuals to know that this light won't just go out. That it's going to shine. And then there's another verb, it is where it says not overcome. Some translations say understand or comprehend. The idea here is that we won't be intimidated, overwhelmed, overcome by darkness. But because we are the children of light, we then walk in light. That does not mean we will not fear. That does not mean we won't have anxiety. Does not mean we don't need to go to the counselor. But what it means is, is that we don't necessarily have to allow ourselves to believe in the false lights. The glimmers that try to distract us. That we can walk in the true light which presides not just around you, but actually in you. It's this wisdom that's needed because this walking in light idea is in Proverbs 6, 23, where it says, for the commands is like a lamp and teaching a light. And the reproof of the, dis- of the disciplines are a way of life. I want you to keep going with me because when you think about that, it says the commands are the light. Right? The, I mean, the lamp and the teachings are the light. A couple of weeks ago, I told you, you just take time to read the Psalms and learn God's word, learn God's word, learn God's word. There's something about learning God's word that helps us to endure these seasons. And when you think about what we, what we go through in an increasing disbelieving post-Christian society, John 3, 19 reminds us that this judgment is a judgment that will come for those who want to walk in darkness. You will see beyond your fears because you no longer walk in darkness, you walk in light. I think the best way I can illustrate this is through the birth narrative in Luke. This drama that we all feel right now, and I want us to really feel it and understand it, is that Luke, I like the way that he portrays what happens, Paul, because what he does is he shows us that Mary and Joseph are running from Caesar Augustus where there's a ransom just to kill Jesus. And as they're running to Bethlehem, they don't have a, a, they don't have a Wesson to go into. They don't have even a super uh, uh, Motel 6 or, or a La Quinta. They don't have that. They got to go down the street to a place where they are a little bit homeless and, and put Jesus right there in a feeding trough, Paul. That's where they got to put him. And then when they do that, they're fearing the life not only of Jesus but of themselves because something says to Mary and Joseph, this angel that just came and spoke to us, he, I may not be losing. In my, my, my mind, Paul, but, but there's, some, there's something that, that's glorious and that's shined and I've been able to see it, so I'm going to trust and walk in some, in some light, even though I don't know where I'm going, even though I want to understand what's happening in Mary and Joseph, young teenagers having a baby and they haven't even had sex yet, and then when they are dealing with this situation, all of the confusion, all of the pressure, all of the heartache, all of the anxiety, all of the pain overwhelms them, then you got to think about the shepherds. 
when the angels came to the shepherds and when they showed themselves to them, it was glorious. I mean, you can you imagine shepherds out there grabbing their sheep, making sure everything is going all right, just doing the present day and boom, smack dab out of nowhere. Clear as day is the angel of the Lord and the gloriness has shown all around them. These pictures of light helping them to see a clear vision. And the angel says, there is good news and great joy that I'm bringing to you. I'm not just here to bring a light, but I'm here to bring you something to take you out just if you walk in it. He talked to the shepherds and the angels, Paul. Then he went on ahead and he showed us, Luke showed us that Simeon, prophet Simeon and prophetess, Anna, the, the brother and sister knew something that a lot of people didn't know. And they worshiped God day and they worshiped God at night. They were faithful and fasting and praying and understanding that Simeon who was waiting on Jesus to come to the temple he couldn't believe that the light had shown himself to the temple Mike he couldn't believe that Jesus was right there an infant child sitting there showing the light of revelation is what he said to the Gentiles and then he also said the glory to the people of Israel I get a little excited right now because what I'm saying is and I think that what Luke is saying is that Simeon when he seen him he knew that a life could end right now but I'll have eternal life and a knew that sister knew I've been praying day in I've been fasting day out I've been trusting Jesus more than anything I ain't seen him yet but I know he out there but then they see the oh my god they see the prophet a prophet the king of kings the light of the world the light of light the one that can show them to bring them out of darkness into the marvelous light they see him and that they worship him because they were waiting patiently for the one who will not only show them, guide them, and walk with them, but rescue them from the darkness and the dimness of their day. Beloved, that's our cue. Our cue here is to worship our Lord, knowing that right now there are clouds of fear, clouds of doubt, clouds of depression, clouds uh, that loom over us each and every day. But if you're going to sing, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, you can't sing, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, just in a soft way. I want you to wail this morning on how you hope that he will come. I want you to scream and yell this morning. I know I'm a little passionate, but that's okay. That's just who I am. I, I want you to yell because he is coming, and we don't know when he's coming. We don't know how he's coming. Simeon and Anna didn't know either, but he's coming, and he's coming as a light, and it, it, was, it was not just individuals or people looking for the S-U-N, but we're looking for the S-O-N, and Mahalia Jackson helps us to recognize that because sometimes in her song, Sweet Little Baby Jesus, Sweet Jesus, boy, we, we often, oftentimes miss the fact of what she's saying. Hear the, hear, hear the lyrics for when she says, they made you in a manger. Sweet little holy child, we didn't know who you were. Didn't know you'd come to save us, Lord. Take our sins away. Our eyes were blind. We could not see. We didn't know who you were. Long time ago, you were born. You were born. Born in a manger, Lord. Sweet little Jesus boy. The world treats me, treats you, Lord. Me. And the Lord entreats me mean too. But this is what I like when she says, but these things, but that's how things are done here. We don't know who you are. Do you see the light? Do you know who he is? Because he can be a sweet little Jesus boy. What a ferocious way 
to save you from the depths of darkness, can rescue you from the present evil. And the picture is this table. When Jesus gave his life, he didn't get it, give it for us just to have material possessions, to have our best life now. He gave it so that we may enjoy an abundant life with him and that we may be reflections of the revelation of who he is in the light. We can do that today. We can do that now. 2020 isn't over with. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. We thank you so much that you are who you say you are. And Lord, you're the one that reminds us each and every day that you are the coming light. Though that you've already come and you've ascended, you're coming with full restoration to save your people so that we may be with you always. For we pray this in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. All God's people said together, amen. Amen.